0: Hey, and welcome to the Cross Point Church podcast We are a church that is for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada We are passionate about helping people become fully devoted followers of Jesus So, if you're just joining us for the first time We would love for you to check out our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca There you can find ways to connect with us and see what's happening at Crosspoint Now, let's listen to this week's Sunday message is Micah, and today we are concluding our annual fall series called Five, How to Be Fully Devoted Followers of Jesus. And so our goal at Crosspoint, if you haven't heard it already, is to help you become a fully devoted disciple. And we believe, just as we were celebrating today, that we can do this by inviting you to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus and to ultimately live as he did. So simply what we've done with the five marks of a disciple is broken down that process into five steps. And so today, we, you know, we're going to discuss the last one, but so far we've discussed four. First, we've discussed how personal growth is vital for the disciple. The growing disciple of Jesus lives in total surrender, complete dependence, and glad obedience to Christ as the Spirit transforms us into Jesus' image. Second, we've discussed how the pursuit of Christ is vital to becoming more like Christ as we engage in the spiritual practices that help us know him more. Third, we've talked about how the disciples' engagement in both community and service is vital to knowing God, becoming more like Christ, and being his hands and feet in the world. Someone say amen. Yes. But where does this all lead? We believe that a growing disciple in pursuit of God, engaged in service and community, is ultimately compelled to partner with God in his redemptive mission in the world. We talk about that every Sunday. And so at Crosspoint, this is what the fifth mark of a disciple is all about, mission. We like to say here at Crosspoint, a disciple on mission joins with Jesus in his redemptive mission in the world and courageously shares the gospel in both word and deed. So what is God's mission then? And how can we as a church join him? So let's find out together. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to get you to turn or swipe to Matthew chapter 9, or you can follow along on the screen behind me. And that's Matthew chapter 9. And we're going to start in verse 35. And so while you go there, in the the gospel of Matthew, he is showing us how the gospel is the announcement that everything God has promised in the scriptures thus far is fulfilled and the world will be made right in the person of Jesus. And so God's mission really is embodied in Jesus' person and life. Thus, the mission is nothing less than this, than existing in relationship with God as where we participate in Christ's ministry to the Father in the power of the Holy Spirit for the sake of the world. And so let me explain what I'm talking about. And let's jump right into Matthew chapter 9. Reading together, starting with verse 35. And so Matthew says, to send out laborers into his harvest. And then he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the 12 apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, and then there's Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him, these twelve Jesus sent out. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's just pray before we continue and dig in. Lord, we we need a refresher in your kingdom today. And so today, in this time, we uh, come to you as a child comes to a father. And I pray that you would not only teach us, but you would get a hold of us, change us, and start something new in us. We desire to partner with you in what you are doing in the world. We want to be the church you thought of when it came to your mission to redeem, reconcile, and renew all things. And so this is our prayer. Let something new begin here, now, today. And we love you for it. And all God's people said Amen. Amen. This morning, I want to help you understand the nature of God's mission on earth and how we can partner with him. And we can do this better when we understand the good news of Jesus, what we call the gospel, the kingdom of God, and the mission of the church. John Wimber, one of the the founding members of the Vineyard Movement and an outspoken advocate of kingdom theology, once said this, and he's often quoted for saying it. He says, for everything you do, you need a theology, a model, and a practice. In other words, the believer is best positioned to do the will of God when we are better understanding who he is and how he intends to redeem the world. And so Matthew here gives us exactly that, a theology theology. A model and a practice. He shows us Jesus' message, his model, and more importantly, he reveals to us the very heart of Christ for the lost. But let's start with his message and model first. We have Jesus' message. Matthew says that Jesus is doing this. He's going throughout all the king, uh, all the kingdom, the, all the cities, the villages in the Galilean region. And he's teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. But that's not it. He went about healing every disease and every affliction. Listen, if we're not careful, we can dance right by this. Don't miss Jesus' message right here. It's all in the delivery. Jesus' message is so simple, yet the implications for us and for our world are so expansive. His message is this. By faith and trust in him, We can enter the kingdom of heaven on earth and are now part of God's mission to redeem and restore all things. Simple, yes, but life-changing. But Christians like to throw around a lot of weird words and terms, don't we? And for us to understand the fullness of Jesus' message here today, we need to define some terms. So whether you've been following Jesus for a long time or you're just right new to your faith journey, Here's a crash course on what it means when we say gospel, kingdom, and mission. First of all, gospel. When we talk about the gospel or the good news, we are talking about the arrival of Jesus and the announcement of his kingdom, which believers in Christ belong to. Now, kingdom, when Jesus or the biblical authors talk about a kingdom, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, we are talking about the new rule of God, Over all creation and the new establishment of his divine order on earth, beginning with the ministry of Jesus. It is this paper-thin reality where heaven has crashed into earth and the supernatural becomes possible for those who put their trust in Jesus. That's the kingdom. And finally, mission. The mission of God is the will and activity of God to redeem, reconcile, and renew all creation. And it's best exemplified in the life of Jesus as he does the will of his Father in heaven. And so today's passage shows an example of Jesus on mission. Proclaiming the kingdom of God in his backyard, inviting his neighbors to turn from their ways and enter God's will, order, and community through faith in him. So, so when we talk about mission, we're talking about believers who have entered the kingdom by believing in the gospel, the good news of Jesus, imitating his way of life and actively partnering with God in his redemptive work and longing, longing to see the fulfillment of God's will on earth. That's what we're talking about today when we're on mission. And so today the kingdom of God is just, it's not castles, it's not knights, it's not this distant place or idea. The kingdom is wherever in, in whoever the Lord Jesus rules and reigns supreme, like a king who directs us, then by his spirit transforms us, and then with his authority empowers us. And it's not just something we talk about, but something we participate in. And so in the kingdom community, there are new countercultural customs A community of love in a world so prone to hate. A family in a city of orphans. A fellowship of honor in a society of contempt. A haven of hospitality in a world of selfishness. It's something we do as much as something we say. And so this is the message Jesus was bringing to the people in the cities and the villages around Galilee. It was more than words. Yes, he teaches in the synagogues and proclaims in the village square, but he doesn't just leave it at words, does he? There's more. He heals the sick, and he helps those who are afflicted. Because when the kingdom of heaven meets earth, friends, there are new rules. The sick can be healed. We believe that today. Amen? The brokenhearted, the traumatized, and the oppressed are bound up, secured, and made whole. The orphans are adopted, and dead souls are brought to new spiritual life. Come on, somebody say, your kingdom come. Amen. On earth as in heaven. That's our prayer. My my Pentecostal's coming out a little bit. See, cross-point, this is what I want you to remember about Jesus' message to spread the good news of his kingdom. Two observations with practical implications for us right now. First, Jesus' message is primarily gospel proclamation. People need to hear the good news of Jesus so they can turn away from the kingdom of darkness and toward Jesus' kingdom of light. The scriptures teach us that The lost will only be saved if they know the name that they can call upon, Jesus. And they will only know the name if we preach it. And for us today, in our church, this is when we share the hope of Jesus with someone in everyday life. Uh, It can be in the produce section of the grocery store like Derek often does. In our driveway with our neighbor. It could be at Starbucks. That's... Gospel proclamation. But there's more to the message, cross points, more than just telling people about the hope they have in Jesus. John Wimber again once said, The kingdom is about doing just as much as it is about teaching. If you aren't doing the works of the kingdom, the message isn't complete. We don't have a complete message. See, Jesus' message is not a, just about gospel proclamation, but also about gospel demonstration. The healings, the help, and miracles all point to and verify the message Jesus proclaimed. And this can be at a bus stop, for real. At a a soup kitchen, a church like ours, work, and practically anywhere else that you can help. It can be healing for the body, relief for the oppressed, food for the hungry, and a haven for the persecuted. And it all points to the good news of Jesus Christ. That's gospel demonstration see on mission Jesus his message is the perfect marriage of word and works working together in heavenly harmony see the announcement of the kingdom of God is three dimensional it's 3D good news for your body your soul and mind delivered to the ears and the eyes and your heart it's audio video and disco right it's so close that people can see here and touch it as the liminal space between heaven and earth becomes so tiny you can hardly tell where one ends and the other begins. That is the kingdom here now on earth. Um, in his book, How to Hear God, uh, the writer Pete Gregg, some of you know him, discusses how God often speaks to us in three ways. In his book, he describes a, a group outing to a local diner with his wife and some friends. And while everyone is examining the menu, one of his friends points to the next table and says, the steak looks good. And then his other friend pipes up, and he says, yeah, I heard the steaks are delicious here. Then finally, Pete's wife, Sammy, says, can I try some of yours? See, some people are moved by what they hear, but many want to taste. Last week, Pastor Brenda shared something with the team from the author, David Fitch. That explains how much people today need to experience the kingdom of God. Fitch is quoted as saying this, In Christendom, in the past, we tell or convince people they're going to hell and offer them Christ's salvation as an ultimatum. But now, in post-Christendom, we listen to people. And when the pain of already living in hell becomes evident... We offer the salvation of Jesus that frees, restores and heals them. That is the kingdom. And so friends Cross Point, I love you, but I think now more than ever in our cor- corner of the world, in our city to the lost in the next generation, they don't want us to tell them what they should think and how what they should think sh- is, should be true, the lost and hurting aren't looking to hear that without Jesus, they risk going to hell. Not just that, they are desperate to see that God is good. They're desperate to taste and see it. Listen, point. the kingdom is here right now. We don't have to wait. We have access through Jesus. And it's so close that you can touch it. We can tell people about it, and we can show them that it's here. People can see it, hear it, and if they're hungry enough, they can taste it. Is that the message we're sharing? Is that how we're sharing it? Think about that today as we go. Now, if sharing the message of Jesus is the church's mission. How is that going to happen? Well, God has a plan for that. Great news for us. Next, Matthew reveals this. He reveals Jesus' model. We love Jesus' model here at Crosspoint. Here, Jesus embodies the very life of mission that we are to imitate. He's fulfilling God's promise and engaged in his mission to redeem and renew everything. Sharing the gospel of the kingdom of God with the people in the cities and villages in Galilee. And his followers, where are they? They're right there with him. They are following, watching, learning with Jesus. And the response is amazing, overwhelming even. People there in Galilee are hungry for good news. So Jesus turns to his followers and he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers, are few. Then he invites them to do what? To pray to the Lord of the harvest, to send out laborers for the harvest work. And what happens? Once they've been instructed to pray, something begins to happen. Let's look again at chapter 10, verses 1 to 4 really quickly. Jesus calls the 12 disciples. He's giving them authority to cast out unclean spirits and heal diseases and every affliction in his name. And it's personal. He calls them by name. He says, Peter, Andrew, Big James, Little James, John, Philip, and all the rest. He says, listen, you've been with me now. You know my message, now go and do the same. Then in verse 5, he sends them out and they embark on their first venture on mission with God. And so here's the picture we're given. We have the Lord of the harvest. And then we have this harvest and the laborers. And the Lord has planted and prepared a harvest. And the harvest is ready. And it's time to go out in the fields and bring it in. The Lord plans to go out with his laborers to help him and reap the yield. And so they get out with him, do what he does, gathering the harvest. And if enough laborers join him on the task, nothing is left behind and nothing is wasted. See, Jesus' model for accomplishing the mission of God is discipleship. You, I do, you watch, we talk, we grow. Then I send you, you do, we talk and grow. Again, it is the process of knowing Jesus becoming like and living like him. And so not only is our mission and partnership with God to bring about his divine will and order in the world, but we know how it's done in the person and example of Jesus. And there's still a a harvest ready today. Listen, the mission reality for disciples here today is still urgent and present need. First, people are spiritually confused and exhausted. If you don't live under a rock and you actually talk to people, you will come across that every day, won't we? People are spiritually exhausted and confused. They need good news. And Jesus says the harvest is plentiful. As in right now, not years ago or someday soon, right now. And God is always working to draw people to himself, and their hearts are ready, but the harvest will spoil unless we have enough workers to bring it in. Number two, the second thing we need to know about the reality for us disciples today is the need is right in our backyard. Jesus didn't sell a bunch of stuff, jump on a ship, and take his message out west. No, he didn't even leave Galilee at this point, his home. The harvest was all around him, right in his backyard. And there was a present need, and his neighbors needed the message of the kingdom. And so in the same way, we have neighbors who need to hear the good news about Jesus. The need is all around us, isn't it? And so cross point, a disciple on mission courageously shares the gospel in both word and deed right now and to their neighbors. So if we don't get into the fields or wake up and get back to work, the harvest will spoil where it stands. They will be hungry, and we won't be there to feed them. They will be naked, and we won't give them clothes. They will be broken, and we will not introduce them to the healer. They will be hopeless, and we will not be there to bring them the good news and hope in Jesus unless we have disciples out there in the harvest field. And so if the model today is discipleship and the time is now and the need all around us is present, what is keeping us then from joining the Lord in reaping the harvest and fulfilling the mission of God? What is it? See, I think that's where the catch is today. Even if we have the message and the model of Jesus, we can still be apathetic about the urgent and present need in our backyard, can't we? Well, why does that happen? Well, here's, the, the, here's the, the truth. We don't just need the message of Jesus and the model of discipleship. Th- even those, those things are good and we love them. But if we don't have one thing, we won't see our neighbors come into the kingdom through the good news about Jesus. What we need most of all is Jesus' heart. We need his heart for the lost, the helpless and the harassed the spiritually exhausted and confused because Jesus was moved to mission by what? Yes. Matthew says verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Don't miss this. When Jesus saw the crowds, he was moved to mission by compassion. He saw the people who needed the good news of the kingdom. So He is moved by their desperate spiritual need into action. And this is not just some impersonal sympathy or a condescending pity. The Greek word Matthew uses here for compassion is much, much more intense. The word is splanchonizomai. Try to say that fast. Splanchonizomai, which literally means the turning of the entrails. Isn't that lovely? the turning of the entrails. In other words, Jesus is so moved by compassion that he has this visceral reaction. Their pain causes him pain. His stomach turns at their great spiritual needs, so he must act. And so uh, this summer, I was reading this amazing book, fantastic book. Nerds in the room, you should read it. It's called The Search for Compassion by Andrew Purves. And this is what he says about Jesus' compassion. He says, The practice of compassion is the practice of ministry. Compassion is ministry. It is not simple sympathy or the expression of a well-meaning good intention. Compassion means getting involved in another's life for healing and wholeness. The logic of compassion moves from deep feeling for another who is suffering to a ministry work of some kind. In every instance in the Gospels where Jesus is reported to have had compassion, it is also reported that he engaged in a subsequent act of ministry. So friends, Jesus doesn't just decide to take a pit stop during his circuit in Galilee to help the crowd because he feels sorry for them. Not quite. He teaches and preaches and helps and heals and feeds, announcing the good news of the kingdom because his heart breaks for them. And their suffering is like his own. But he won't do it alone, friends. So he turns to his disciples and he says, look, here is the harvest. Let's help them with the message of the kingdom. And so the question for us today is what is our response when Jesus turns to us to help with the harvest? Do our hearts beat for the mission of God as Jesus' heart does? fact is we cannot be a mission-driven church if we have apathetic hearts. It would be like trying to ride a wild elephant somewhere it does not want to go. No, seriously, imagine it with me for a minute. Imagine someone is trying to ride an elephant down a narrow jungle path. You got that mental image right now? You see it? Now, the rider represents the gospel knowledge. We know Jesus's message, don't we? And the path he's on is our discipleship model. We know how we plan to make disciples at Crosspoint. We know how we're going to resource them and what tools we're going to use. But if the elephant doesn't want to move the rider down the path, nothing's going to happen, right? We need to move the elephant. That's our challenge today. Our hearts can be just the same way. Unless our hearts are moved by what moves Jesus, we won't be moved to mission like he is. And so, look, Crosspoint, we have the history of a mission driven church. It's amazing. It's been a privilege. We have the message, the model, the strategies, the events, and the tools. Time has passed. We've survived a pandemic, and things have changed. But, Crosspoint, if we don't have the heart, trying to partner with God and fulfill His mission will be difficult, if not near impossible. We need to notice what God notices be brokenhearted by what breaks his heart, moved by what moves him, have a burning desire to reach our hurting friends, driven to bring hope to our spiritually bankrupt neighbors and eager to fulfill the needs of strangers. Then, and only then, will we be moved to share the hope of Jesus and invite them to the kingdom and to come to those who are in need right in our backyard the grocery store, the parking lot, the lunchroom, and anywhere we go. So this is the point today. This is my question for you as you leave. Cross point, do we still have the heart for the mission of God? Do we still have it? Because if anything, we discover at the center of God's mission is his heart for lost people, isn't it? But maybe over time, and without our noticing, things have changed a little bit. Do do some of you feel a little apathetic? Been through some stuff, now you're kind of like numb. I don't, don't really care. I've been there. Do you feel spiritually lethargic? Just can't be bothered. Maybe we're doctrinally obese. Got lots of word in us. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's me, or maybe you just feel generally catatonic. Well, let me tell you, there's good news. It's never too late to wake up, stir the embers and reignite the fire. But how, Well, will remember for anything the believer needs a theology, a model and a practice. And today we have a theology and a model, but let me give you the practice. Let's take look, another look at verse 37, chapter 9. See, Jesus is on mission, and he's moved by the overwhelming spiritual needs, so he turns to the disciples, and he says, the harvest is plentiful, and the laborers are few. So what does he tell the disciples to do? He says, therefore, say it again, pray. 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 Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest that he would send out laborers for the harvest. See, something happens between when the disciples start praying that prayer and when Jesus sends them out on mission in chapter 10. It changed them. Let me tell you about something. Well, let me tell you something about prayer today, really important. Prayer is not just about expression petition and supplication getting what we need it is central and a deeply formative practice in the life of every disciple on mission in other words prayer has the power to shape us more and more into the likeness of christ as we get to know god's heart it can transform those hearts making his will our will and in this case his compassion ours and his work our work and so cross point This needs to become our practice. We need to start praying this prayer. Lord, send out the laborers for the harvest. The harvest is plenty, and the need is great. So today, as we close, I want to invite you to pray with me. Starting this week and all together right now. So first, if you're a follower of Jesus here today, I I want you to do something for me. I want you to pull out your phone. You're allowed but this time, or something to write on if you don't have your phone, whatever you prefer. And this is what you will do: I want you to write the names of three people you know who don't know Jesus yet. It's just three. And I trust you. You know some people uh, who don't know Jesus because you're a great bunch of people, mostly. You know, <laughs> I'm kidding. I love you. Um, but seriously, if no one comes to mind, that, that don't worry. It's not awkward. It just means to get to meet some more people this week. I just I find three names of people who do not know Jesus yet. And this week, I want you to start praying for them. I want you to get those names down and on something you can carry with you everywhere, something in your wallet, maybe a business card s- sized And once you have that, you can add names, but I want you to pray for them. And as you get to know them in life, pray for their situation. Pray that they would... Come to know Jesus and experience his kingdom. Can we do that? I'm taking your silence as a yes. Okay. But right now, we're going to pray together. That We're going to pray that Jesus mission prayer. So let's agree together. Pray with me. Father, we are just so thankful for your son, Jesus. Through him, we have been brought into your kingdom. We know your message, and we are willing to join your mission. But we confess we don't always have the heart for it. I don't always have the heart for it. We aren't always moved to compassion like you are. So we pray that you would soften our heart and calloused hearts today. That we would become moved by what moves you. And that your spirit, your spirit would compel us to reach the lost and hurting in our life all around us. And so we pray that you would prepare those people in our lives for the good news of Jesus. That you would create divine opportunity for us to share the hope and power of your kingdom. That you would prepare us for obedience to do your work. And that we would see our families and our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers and the people you bring across our path come to know and trust you, Lord Jesus. This is our prayer, Lord. Send our laborers for the harvest because the harvest is plenty, Lord, but the need is great. Prepare us for the harvest, Lord. And we love you for it. Amen. Hey, and welcome back. Thanks for listening to this Sunday's message. We hope that we've helped you in your spiritual journey and that you're drawing closer to God. At Crosspoint, we gather on Sundays at 10 a.m. in Northeast Edmonton. And throughout the week in something we love to call home groups. Home groups are encouraging and transformational communities for people just like you. We believe that the journey of faith is done together. So we hope that you'll connect with us at thecrosspointchurch.ca. Now, let me remind you of who you are. You are the people of God, called by God into his redemptive mission in the world. So be who you are.